Rogers chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO, the show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful people from all around our terrestrial orb in the business community. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. Look it up. And today, you and I are going to delve into that profession which all of us at one time have toyed with entering. You know what I mean, the big C, consulting. You've got this vast body of expertise, and you just know that the business folks would pay real good money to listen to what you've got, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. And by the good fortune of fate and death seduction, we have with us today one of consulting's wisest and really most successful sages, Mr. Al Sagaris, who is going to strip away all the preconceptions, he's going to debunk the myths and take us into the rare, very real and unvarnished, honest journey into consulting. Al has served as really one of the driving forces for the Institute of Management Consultants. He's the president of uh, Forrestal Consulting International, and he's an internationally known expert. And this day, we're going to learn from his story. We're going to sit at his feet and find out how he is able to do what so many of us wish we could do. So, whether you are a consultant for a large major publishing trade magazine seeking to distill all the news that your industry requires, like Constance, or perhaps you're launching an ad firm to devise and guide exporters to the shipping labyrinth, like Jim, Pull up your chair a little closer, partake of our Feast of Wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your careers thrive and your ventures flourish. Al, I'm so glad that you could join us here today in the studio and share some of your insights. Glad to be here, Bart. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, this is going to be great. Well, kicking it right off, you know, most of us always think of consulting as the sages game. Maybe, maybe we just trust white hair more, I don't know. But uh, you got into it fairly young. Uh, could you share with us the story of what kind of tipped your decision into getting into the consulting field? Well, in a way, I walked into it. Uh, when I first got out of university, yeah. I, uh, I studied mechanical engineering. I worked for three major companies, Singer, Triangle, and City Service, all in New Jersey. Oh, okay. And I was fortunate enough to be in very high positions, oh. and I had access to people that are old enough to be my father, so I could <laughs> ask any question I wanted. Yeah. Since I was a non-threat, they didn't really mind. That's they right. Were, they answered anything I could think of. You were the young kid. They li Everyone likes helping young yeah. kids. <laughs> you say they don't think it's a threat. Oh. You know, uh, get more specifically, how did I get into consulting? Uh, I had a job with City Service, a right. research and development company, right. uh -huh. which is over here in Cranberry. Right, yeah. And... Uh, uh, I was rather successful doing uh, the market studies and business planning studies, ah. but the position began to fall apart. So I arranged right. a meeting to meet with uh, Dr. Howard Malikoff, who was the president. Right. You know, he was a guy you couldn't, you had to call him Doc. You couldn't get very close to him at all. Huh? So I arranged a like meeting, that. and uh, I said, Doc, I know you like my uh, work. You told me that when I presented my study findings. Uh, I have a, an offer from a management consulting firm, an old line management consulting firm. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And he said, Al, we like your work, but you should take the job. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, he says, because we're closing this facility in six weeks. <laughs> right. Whoa, look at the time. i got to go. Right? <laughs> that was the most confidential conversation I've ever had. Wow. So wow. I took the job. So that's how I got into uh, consulting. Oh, my gosh. Well, obviously, now you had, had amassed a, a pretty uh, uh, large and specialized body of knowledge that businesses could profit from. So... Uh, now, what about the young person who is wanting to get into consulting? And say he's got, like, like he's got a current job. Maybe it's not going to close in six weeks, but he's got a good job. How does how does he prepare? How does he get ready to say, "I'm going to go into consulting"? Just one or two ideas, I think. Well, uh, the first thing he should try, or she should try, to leverage their practical experience. Okay. Now, mine has been all B2B in the industrial environment. Mm -hmm. um, and I also began to realize that uh, an MBA would be uh, very nice to have, so I went to night school. Mm -hmm. And that was fortunately uh, funded 120% by Singer at that time. Whoa. So you'd have that to be good. a no-brainer not to accept it. Sure, sure. Uh, so the critical thing is to begin to realize and recognize what strengths you have okay. and, and build upon it. I was a young guy. I was only 30 when I got into the, or 32 when I got into the consulting business. Right. Uh -huh. And I didn't really know anybody in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But you, but you, you were able to know what your strength is. And I think that's very important. Okay. With that, Teasingly tasteful nosh at today's Feast of Wisdom. Now it is time for me to fulfill my duties as proper host and allow me to lay before you a few utensils for furthering uh, of today's feast. And first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and children privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you test your endurance? Find out some way to find out just how far your iron resolve can take you right to the edge. Or will you continue to bow under the shackles of moderation? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can hear you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter. So let's grab down... Uh, and take a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So I am thumbing through here right now. Uh, okay, uh, here's one. This is 21. Uh, the dull manager is is like a dull axe, more likely to bruise than polish. What do you think, Cal? Is that, is that pretty much true? I would say so. Uh, right. Well, you know, a dull manager comes down on his staff with a you, – you've met these guys, the heavy and flexible policies – the, the one-size-fits-all directives, easy to make. But meanwhile, the sharp manager is sitting there scrutinizing who's laboring beside her, and she determines what really might be the best way to motivate and to compensate her fellows. It takes longer, but oh boy, does that boost the bottom line. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit artsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 101 or 102 Best Business Quips, and you are going to make yourself uh, just the absolute center of laughable attention as you strike your co-workers in the jocular vein. And as a third utensil, 
we are now sumptuously about to spoon out to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author who suggested wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. <laughs> Those words were spoken by none other than sage Socrates' most prized and quoted pupil, the ancient Greek philosopher Plato. And stick with us, my friend, because later on in the show, blurting away, comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's info at bartsbooks.com. And you, if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a soul-stirring, career-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with utensils at hand and expertise bulging from our briefcase, turn back with me to the saga of that perceptive management consultant, Al Sagaris. Al, now you talked about when you were with uh, Triangle Building Products, how you deliberately honed your interviewing skills. I mean, I, I can see why a journalist needs to hone his, his interviewing skills, uh, but why is that so vital for a consultant? Well, just to put it in perspective, uh, the kind of work that Farstall does is providing strategic knowledge to our clients through field research. Okay. Uh, even consultants that work internal to a company, uh, evaluating the products there, it's also critical to be able to interview the employees to, mm. to gain the knowledge. So, that, sure. so that's a, a fundamental basis of consulting. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the difference between an internal consultant, someone working within the company, sure. and an external organization like Forestall, we have to sell our way in to the interview. Yeah, yeah. And we true. do that by starting from a position of strength, either secondary interviews, uh, secondary research, uh, interviews with uh, lesser important companies, eventually working our way up to the top. Well, now, give, give us an example about, so you're going to interview somebody at, want to say, an employee who you know has some knowledge that, that you want to get hold of. Uh, what, are, how do you, what are some of the interview skills you kept sharpening? I mean, what, what, what do I need to do in, in my interviewing if I'm a consultant? Well, just to put it in perspective, uh, Farstall uh, are business planning consultants. By that, I mean we do due diligence in prep for acquisitions, we do international market research, we evaluate partners, we do costing studies and diversification programs. Yeah, no, but but when you're so when you're talking to a person, how, uh, what what are you trying to get out? Well, all of those uh, services that I mentioned, I say. we have to be excellent listeners, ah. non-threatening in our uh, questions, okay. be respectful of the person's authority and time, mm-hmm. and that results that we can talk with any level. So we're not judgmental when we talk to a very young person mm-hmm. or in the C-suite of a major corporation. We're just good listeners, good note-takers, oh. and know the mission that we're trying to accomplish and what are the objectives that we're trying to okay. trying to uh, get the good. individual to speak to. Okay, I, and I like, I like that you add taking notes. There is nothing that so inspires a person to give their ideas is somebody who they see writing down what they're saying. Good idea. Very good point. 
If you've just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this show by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. We are on several other stations, and we are on many Internet streams, but the easiest way to get this and all our shows just visit theartoftheceo.com. It doesn't get any more simple than your host. I, I mean than that. Uh, now, you've remarked now that during your time with City Service, you, you, you said you found it really easy to sell your ideas to senior management. i got to tell you, to, for most people, particularly when, when you're young, to go up and, and stand before the power of the throne is, is pretty daunting stuff. So what made it all really work for Al? How, did, how were you able to do it? Well, I came to City Service R&D Company because of my background in metals, which I learned at Triangle Building Products Company. Okay. Uh, and so I was hired to help uh, build up the first acquisition that City Service made in the metals business. Mm-hmm. Now, all of my bosses were either chemical engineers or chemical process engineers. Oh. So they didn't really have a thorough understanding of the uh, metals business. So I just made the analysis, wrote my reports, told the facts, and they just loved it. Well, Well, you obviously had not only the ability to ask questions, but you had that little extra edge that they didn't have, that core of knowledge that they didn't have, and you were able to put it in, as you you said before, with respect and uh, no judgment involved. Yeah, I agree. All right, very good. Well, so, moving on to the mainstream of this man's uh, incredible career. Uh, so, here you are now. You sit at Stevenson, Jordan, and Harrison. You have gotten a, uh, an actual consulting desk. You are, you are a, a client-to-client hopping doer in the firm. And it all goes well, except that suddenly, Al begins to rise. All the other fellows are very capable and so forth, but Al begins to rise. He becomes a group leader, then he becomes an international expert, and this is something every everyone who's consulted ever wants to do. So give us two things, three things, that help you distinguish your talent and, and give you that leg up. Well, it was delivering results on time uh, with no surprises. Mm-hmm. And I, at uh, Stevenson, Jordan, and Harrison, which was an old line firm founded in 1916. Whoa. Yeah, before Gantt invented the Gantt chart, if you will. <laughs> right. Uh, I had worked with uh, a small division within this large corporation. Yeah. And Ted Jube, who was the president, he and I buddied up because he would always say, Al has this uncanny ability to look at a situation and come to the heart of the matter almost immediately. Ah, so it's just sure. kind of innate, I guess. So you're really good at distilling. Yeah, like uh-huh. on the spot. Right. I'm, now, I'm good at consuming distilled uh, products, but I'm not good at distilling. Right yeah, now. and as I grew into consulting, I took more of a risk doing that uncanny ability to come to the right ah, decisions. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, I would say 99 out of 100 times I was right. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. And the, the other aspect is uh, Frode Nordhoi, who is the founder of Strategic Analysis. Right. He always said I was highly motivated, a self-starter, and I have a high degree of stick-to-itness. Oh. 
those are things that you have have to you know. I, I think there's so many people who remember very, very well that they have a salary to draw. They neglect only that they have a duty to perform, or they can't string days together. I can work really like mad on Tuesday, and uh, but Wednesday I need a rest. Doesn't work like that, right? <laughs> I built a reputation because I had to go from Princeton into New York every day, which was an hour. Oh, it is an indeed. hour train yeah, ride. Sure, yeah. But I would always deliver on time and on budget, which meant uh, I would say, Ted, don't worry about it. I will finish it up on Monday morning. I will be back on Monday morning, and I'd work all weekend to get it done. And so then that gave me latitude that I didn't have to go to New York. I said, oh, you know, we'll work at home. All right. Well, you know, that makes I, – I, I have to tell you, when I was a freelancer, freelance writer, I and I get an assignment – the terms is just like you. I I always use the term consider it done, and they could count on it. They could take it to the bank, and boy, does that mean something. So I think now all of us, our pockets are filled with applicable tools, and I think it's time to pause and take a brief sorbet from our feast of wisdom, if you will, and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that company is Leadership USA. This is the company that very wisely is devoted to just plain unleashing human potential. I, I, I tell you, Leadership USA, what they do is they bring to your doorstep those top business mentors. I'm talking about the guys and gals who get, who CEOs from Fortune 100s are giving blank checks to have them come and have their training, to do the training from their for their leadership team. And... This is what Leadership USA delivers to you at a cost that otherwise would be prohibitive. So if you really want to get an idea, go to leadershipusa.biz and take a look at their faculty. Believe me, you are going to see some real bottom line improvers among these folk that they can have delivered to your door. And if, by the way, you just happen to be in the New Jersey, New York area, the new uh, New York uh, NYC chapter is holding a a Tuesday breakfast on December 12th at 8 a.m. at the Times Tower. And if you are interested in having your leadership train, just uh, think about that. And if you want to learn more, just write info at bartsbooks.com, and we will make the connection with you for Leadership USA. All righty. Now, now that we're speaking of enlightened leadership here, Al, uh, I think we should all swing back like a blind wind to uh, Al Sagaris consultant par excellence as he reveals to you what you really need to do to follow in the footsteps of, of a man who is this successful at consulting. You mentioned earlier that you got your MBA, and, and it was wise. Now, this year, 104,000 MBAs will be conferred on folks in these here United States. Uh, so... Now, now, you got yours earlier when the elite veneer had not quite, uh, well, was still clinging, shall we say, to the uh, degree. Uh, do I need it today or not if, I'm, if I want to be a consultant? Is it great help, a little help, no help? It's a fundamental, it's a fundamental need. If you're working with a, with a firm as opposed to a solo uh, practice, right. virtually everybody has an MBA. It's needed for credibility, and right. all your colleagues have that kind of work. Our practice is uh, 
engineering based with a market overview. Right. So that gives the mechanical engineers, the chemical engineers, the civil engineers that work for the firm credibility to talk about business issues. Okay. So uh, it, it's, it's a hoop to jump. And so let me ask you, am I going to learn a lot with my MBA? Did I think you learn on the job, quite honestly. It's just the okay. MBA is the key to get you in the door. Okay. Or uh, the key to stay in the door. I appreciate your honesty. That's that's really good to hear. Uh, now, okay, we're moving along through through uh, the mire of, of, of this amazing career, and it is 1999, and without even realizing it, you have moved, uh, you are about to leave a very prestigious and uh, profitable position with a major firm, and uh, your own entrepreneurial Forrestal Consultants International is on the horizon, and you don't, you aren't even aware of it. So this this is a great story. Uh, tell us how one day you're working for for this, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, you're you're working for a major firm, and then all of a sudden it changes. Well, it happened 4:45 on a Friday afternoon. Oh, jeez! I got a telephone call from the uh, president and the controller. Right. Saying, uh, Al, uh, we're closing the office in five minutes. Yeah. And I said, no way, guys. Of course, I used an expletive. Yes, I, I, yes, right. No way. I have clients uh, actively ongoing. They didn't I mean, mean close it for the weekend, did they? No, they did not. <laughs> oh, gee. So they said, keep the clients, keep the computer, keep the fax machine, keep the desk, keep the files, keep the money that you collect. Just don't use the technomic name to promote business. So on Monday morning, I was on my own. Wow. He, they walked away. You know, so I was an entrepreneur, but didn't even know that. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't know that word probably for five years. To, yes. Last night, uh, last, I, last night I became an. I couldn't even spell entrepreneur. Now I are one, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. the old joke goes. Gosh, that that must have been absolutely daunting. What'd you say to your wife when you went home? By the way. <laughs> Just what I said. All right. Uh -huh. yeah. The office is closed, uh -huh. but I'm going back to the office on Monday, and I have a contract that uh, I need to move out in, in uh, five days, so we'll go pack it up. So it's, it's business as usual. We just changed the name on the door. Wow. Well, now, uh, with this, you also had a great number of personal clients, but the, the uh, connections you'd made before, both with the, the the past company and and throughout your business life, and I think one of the toughest things to do for the entrepreneurial consultant is to leverage that trust. I mean, it's it's dicey. People are embarrassed. How do you go about? How did you go about? And how how should we go about leveraging the trust from past clients that you have? Well, when uh, Technomic closed the office, which was at the direction of Renaissance, the company that acquired them the year before. Uh -huh. uh, the Princeton office, which I ran, w was dissolved, and I had no non-compete agreement. Uh -huh. So I was, the following Monday, the telephone rings, and it's my uh, client, Jim Sopranos at Amstead, and uh -huh. said, Al, you know that uh, uh, proposal that you have? We want to go forward. I said, well, Jim, I'm no longer with... Uh, uh, my former firm, he said, that's okay, just reprint it on your own letterhead and it's a go, as long as Dietmar Scheffler is still around to do the work. He was our <laughs> German-speaking staff based uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, it does help to have a good translation source in there, too. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, well, you know, actually, uh, now another thing that you've done, I know that, that uh, I don't often hear consultants talk about, but you've done, uh, you've developed the whole idea of the multi-client studies. In other yes. words, you've set yourself up as an expert in the field, apart from working for Irving, Sally, Henry, and, and, and George. You have worked, this is a multi-client studies. I know you did one with uh, superconductors, and uh, how, uh, so, so you did, how do you make these work for yourself? Well, it's interesting. When I joined the New York office of Technomic, uh, right. uh, Ron Paul, who was the president, said, Al, go out and rebuild the pharmaceutical industry and the chemical industry. I said, Ron, every SIC code is assigned to all the other principals. Yeah, what right. am I to do? Yeah, yeah. He said, well, you think about it. So I came up <laughs> with the uh, multi-client study idea, which I had done before. The super study, super conductor study goes back uh, several generations, several forms before, sure. as well as uh, corrosion-resistant metals in the chemical processing. Well, then where'd so, you put them? I mean, what, you, okay, you write them. I think it's great that you made the study. I'm, I'm thrilled. No, no, but, no. But, I, these studies are prepaid. So we come up with the idea, mm -hmm. we write the formal proposal, and we go out and market it. In this case, it was me. Okay. To and these were, do you market it if, they're not, if the people are not your existing clients? No. In fact, that was the benefit because all these new clients would build my portfolio of uh, followers that no one else had. Oh. So they needed expertise coalesced, distilled, and put out there. You were, you had the expertise, and you, and they, you, you got them to pay just for the paper, and after then, of course, it's an open door to bring them in as clients, right? right? Yes, and these oh. studies were high-end studies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in uh, the early 90s, these were $18,000 studies, half mm. paid up for front. Wow. Now, we could glean that amount of money uh, because we did the same methodology that we did proprietary or single client studies. Our own staff, engineer trained, the guys who do the interviews, write the reports, and give the final presentation. Right. So it's not like, oh, we have this idea, let's, let's hire some junior people to do the work and no, no, since no. we're the inventors of the multi-client study and we are the key principles we're going to control everything and we didn't do it didn't no. do that your sweat all. your rank you do it and didn't do that at all uh -huh. and the clients could sense that during the presentations and they would come back and say oh we want you to study this this and this yeah you know uh, another another item. Another so. item in the nuclear industry. Well, wow. we didn't know anything about the nuclear industry, but we sure knew a lot about welding. We sure knew a lot about piping, and that's what so they asked us to do. Uh, and so that was just built on. So I had a very successful practice. Wow, but but it's a great way to do it. That is a whole other angle to the to the business that I think that a lot of people see. Now, I I I want to just say. Uh, there's so well. I have I have about another dozen questions I'd love to get through, but we really just don't have the time. And so um, I just want to say that uh, you're you mentioned Jim Sopranos of Amstead and Industries, and I want you to to say I just want to let you know that uh, you you folks listening out there that uh, it was said of Al that quote Al impressed us by his understanding of a complex company and its markets 
and he was able to do it in such a brief period. I think that sort of sums up what a consultant needs to be able to do, yeah. doesn't it? In fact, he even said, Al, are you sure the budget that you estimated was correct? Oh. Uh-huh. So that's another that's, story oh. of success. You know, right. Live by the objectives, live by the uh, uh, budget and, the, and the, both money and time, and the clients will love it. Al, if, if someone needs a, a good speaker to talk about consulting or if uh, – they need, uh, they truly need some of your uh, consulting within uh, the Forrestal uh, Consulting International. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, the easiest way is to look at our website, uh-huh. which that? is forrestalconsultants.com, all lowercase, all together. The other is to call call me at the office, all right, that's which good. is 609-951-2285. And if you're interested in some really tough assignments, Look at Farsal on our YouTube, and you'll get an education. Whoa, that we will do. Okay, Al, it's been absolutely fabulous having you here today. I've learned an awful lot. And uh, I really, uh, again, we'd love to have you back, but I I thank you for coming on today. Fine. Appreciate it. It's been fun. I could go on for another half hour. Oh, well, we'll have to have you back for another half hour to do it. Um, And as we round out today's feast, uh, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who said the bitterness of poor service remains long after the elation of low prices is forgotten? As a hint, uh, the author of this was the only founding father who did wear glasses but never wore a wig. And remember, as you know, the author of this quote, simply scribble that author's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune in next week because we're going to take a look at the best holiday business books uh, in the trade. These are those tomes that are packed with a wise counsel and hopefully you'll be wise, wise enough to read them and apply the tools to your own self and business. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, I have often wondered if one person is put in charge of innovation in a corporation, what do you suppose is expected of the rest of the employees? (laughs) And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as uh, Al and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And finally to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.